This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Jalen. Um, Jalen, it's great to hang out with you. Great to hang out with our listeners. But what have you been up to? How's your week been? John, as you know, you are the uh, godfather of our second oldest child. And so you know that he has multiple allergies, food allergies, uh, wheat, dairy, eggs, shellfish, peanuts, tree nuts. And so over the last you know nine years of his life, we've been praying that God would kind of take those away, that he would get healed of those and just be able to eat more foods and enjoy the things that we enjoy. Uh, and actually early on, uh, when he was just a few years old, he grew out of his, he grew out of a soy allergy. And so he's been able to have like soy sauce, which is obviously huge for us. Um, but tomorrow he is having a food challenge for baked egg, which is mm. kind of like a step up to hopefully being, you know, being able to grow out of the egg allergy. And so um, that's always a little bit nerve wracking. He's had food challenges before, but just like the levels that he's, he tested for last year uh, for the baked eggs seemed pretty promising. So they, they offered this as, you know, something that he could do. So we're going to do a food challenge tomorrow. So definitely pray for him. Um, he's excited because he gets to miss half a day of school and, <laughs> you know, just like eat some of Jenny's baked goods and, you know, get some bonus screen time or whatever. But yeah, just pray for him, pray for that process. You know, of course, if he doesn't have a reaction, then uh, we've got some medication for him to, mm. to take and stuff like that. But we are, we are, we are praying and hoping that this is something that, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be able to grow out of. So something that we're thinking about and yeah, but anyways, how are you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, I know that that's um, exciting that he has a chance to go do this uh, food test. And yeah, I really will be praying for him that he experiences healing uh, in this area. And even if it's a small step, you know, baked eggs, we're really praying that no reaction or minimal reaction. Um, when you were listing that list of food allergies, it just reminded me that, ah, yes, I used to not keep track of what he was allergic to because it was easier to just remember what he could eat rather than what he couldn't eat because that list is long. Um, yeah, but I, I've been doing well. Um, this week has been, you know, kind of a just a normal work week for me. Um, I am gearing up to preach um, next Sunday. So I think in the weeks leading up to that, um, just because I'm, I don't preach like every week, it's more like once a month nowadays. Um, I just feel I, I give myself a little more time to, to get prepared and to, to write my sermon and things like that. So I'm excited where we started a series in Revelation. Um, so I'm preaching on one of the seven churches on Sardis and yeah, I think, I guess by the time this episode comes out, I may have already preached it, but, um, you know, uh, I've been, I've been enjoying my prep in that it's been, it's been good. 
Um, but something that's been exciting for our church and a lot of prep has been going into it and, and I've not really had to do much. I actually I haven't really had to do anything, but I just watched from a distance is our church's youth group is going on a winter retreat for the first time in um, two years now this weekend. And so um, they've been doing all this stuff, getting ready. Our two youth pastors have been working really, really hard. And, um, you know, one of the things we've been doing as a church is really praying for our young people, praying that they would go and encounter the Lord and be transformed. But it's just interesting to me, you know, coming from being a youth pastor in the Midwest, the different things that we pray for here in California compared to like things that I think we would pray for or didn't think about as much in in the Midwest. So, for example, it always makes me chuckle a little bit because they'll pray that, um, you know, I think everyone wants there to be snow at the retreat, but they will pray really, really hard that um, it doesn't snow on the driving days to retreat. So our youth group usually goes up to Tahoe and uh, I've heard horror stories from the past where it snowed on the drive up and like a five hour drive turned into 15 hours or 19 hours, I think. Yeah, 19 hours. And so they really, really pray about that. And that's just not something I ever thought about, you know, um, I mean, we've had some rough drives before and I have definitely driven off the highway with a van full of students into a ditch in the snow. Um, but even then that wasn't like a 19 hour bus ride. So I am praying for them to have a safe trip up there and a speedy trip up there for the sake of all the adults who are going. Cause I think the kids probably enjoy that long trip, but, but for volunteers that, that can be rough. So yeah, but yeah, it's been that'd, a good be, week. that'd be a nightmare. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I wonder if it's, I mean, are there like, you know, for here, for here, for us in the Midwest, right. There's obviously um, a level of, of uh, preparedness for snow. So is it just that there's not as much like the salt trucks and plow trucks aren't as ready or is it just, yeah, just the amount of snow or what? I think it's probably a few different things. One is it's much flatter in the Midwest. And so, um, they're going up the mountain basically. And so here in California, I, I feel like maybe they have salt trucks, but I feel like I've never, they definitely don't have them in the Bay, but I imagine that up in Tahoe, they, they're not salting anything. Um, and so I think everyone has to put on like um, tire chains when they go up the mountain, which is again, something that I have never seen or experienced before. So I'm not sure I want to experience that or be on the road with a bunch of California drivers with, you know, I maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just me being a judgmental Midwesterner, but um, yeah, I think it's probably a combination of all those things that when it does snow, everything just stops. Like it's basically full blown gridlock when there's snow. So it's not like for us where they just, there's plows in front of you, they're spraying salt everywhere. And then you just kind of go about your day, you know, unless right. it's like really bad, but yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So. Anyways, we were, we're not on this podcast to talk about weather. We're here to talk with one of our good friends, uh, a friend of the podcast, a friend of both of us, who someone who did ministry with us in um, the Chicagoland area, but is now in the Bay. And, you know, Tony is a, um, a repeat guest on the, the podcast. So um, we're just so excited to have um, Tony Chan, who is the lead English pastor at River of Life Christian Church on the podcast with us again. Tony, welcome. Thanks for coming on with us tonight. Thank you, John and Jalen. Uh, it's great to be uh, back on your show. Hey, Tony, it's good to see you. Um, you know, since we've had you on before, I was wondering if you could just share with us a brief update on ministry and how life has been going for you. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's been a, a lot of changes 
Uh, our family moved here from Chicago. I think it's been roughly close to about nine months uh, so far. And so our family has kind of uh, settled down. Uh, even with settling down, it's just such a huge uh, difference uh, moving from Chicago uh, from the Midwest to the West Coast in California that I think it's still going to take a lot longer for me to get used to and even for our family. And even just hearing like just John talking about the snow, uh, the weather here is so nice. It's so different that it's just uh, very jarring. It's very different because I, I'm anticipating and expecting there to be snow, but it's not. It's like uh, mid-70s uh, and the weather is it's just beautiful and so it's just uh really really different i mean my kids miss the snow and uh even people suggest for us to go to like lake tahoe uh where there is snow but i feel like it's just it's not the same and so um in regards to just family wise there's just uh things that we're just still adjusting and just uh trying to uh like learn uh especially about the culture that's just very different in the bay area versus back in uh, in chicago um, just ministry-wise, uh, there's also been a lot of changes, I think, uh, from what I was initially brought into, where there was a timeline of ante anticipating that uh, it would be a slower transition, uh, but things had uh, kind of picked up very, very quickly, and my role has kind of developed and grown. You know, you and I, we've talked about this before, and I've been seeing it on social media and um, just in our conversations offline when we hang out and grab lunch. Um, but you've been gearing up for a big change in your church, right? In, yes. in your church ministry. Um, and so uh, I want you to tell us a little bit more about that. And just spoiler for the, you know, for our listeners, that ministry is called New Wave. And, um, you know, when I, I think when I first heard about it, I laughed because at, at our church, both of our church plants are called um, New, New Vine and New Spring. And so I was like, oh, new wave. I never thought of that one as another option. So now I guess we have to come up with something completely different from that if we ever do a third church plan, because that, that name is now taken by you guys. So tell us more about new wave and what you guys are doing at your church. Yeah. Um, so when I was first uh, brought in, um, I guess it was during the pandemic. And uh, I myself have never actually been to the Bay Area. I've been to SF, but never been to the Bay. And so ultimately, when our family decided uh, to move to the Bay Area, it really was by faith that we moved. Uh, we really strongly believe that God was calling us uh, to River of Life. And even for the church, they didn't really um, also know me because I wasn't brought in in what you would typically go through this whole interview process where you get to meet all the staff and all the members and they get to interview also uh, the candidate and the families, the pastor, and so to get to know one another. And so I think the understanding was is that I would just kind of... Uh, take things slowly, uh, that possibly there might be like a one to, one to two year transition where most of my focus would kind of, in essence, be uh, overseeing the youth. I was brought in as an associate director for the English ministries uh, that possibly in one or two years as I slowly kind of enter into more of the director where by myself, I would be overseeing all the English ministries at River of Life. And then with that, there was intention that slowly uh, where we have actually two English ministries. So uh, at the time there was uh, an English adult ministry and that was simply their name. Uh, that was an older congregation. Uh, and then there was a young adult congregation. It was called Ignite. And so there's these two English ministries that were worshiping separately, a completely different generationally, uh, just the way that they worship, the style, uh, the values, um, just everything was just completely opposite. It was very different. 
uh, from each other. And so they never really uh, would do cross uh, generational ministry. They wouldn't really interact with each other. So it's two separate ministries. And I think for the church that uh, there was a desire to want to see these two English ministries come together. And so that was a part of the reason why they brought me on was the hope that over time, uh, that I would be the lead pastor that would bring these two ministries uh, together. And so that was supposed to be kind of a slower process. But I think that as I came on board and as uh, we were building relationships, uh, that they saw that uh, it would be possible for me to uh, sooner than later enter into this kind of uh, director role over the English ministries and then become the lead pastor in bringing these two congregations together. Yeah, I'm curious, like, when you when you saw this kind of setup, because I think that's pretty pretty unique. I don't know that there's a lot of English church, you know, English ministries and Chinese churches that have a separate, you know, uh, older congregation, younger congregation. You said that they're generationally different. What what would the the makeup be of those congregations? Yeah. So for let's say the English adult, um, it was a lot of either empty nesters, those who were retired. Um, I would say probably the demographics, um, again, it, 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 uh, it, it spans, uh, again, uh, different, like it's a lot of different uh, ages, but still the majority, I would say, is probably looking towards like uh, mid-50s and above. Uh, again, a lot of uh, those who are either uh, retired or even empty nesters for the English adult congregation. The, the young adult congregation really spans from like 25 to probably 40 um, at the most. And so the, the English young adult congregation too, uh, in some sense, when I arrived, uh, because I guess during the pandemic that the demographic was younger, so that when we had in-person service that the number of those who were coming back was a lot larger uh, versus like the older congregation because they were more vulnerable and uh, worried in regards to uh, what was going on with the pandemic. And so in regards to our in-person service, we do see kind of a, a, a huge difference between the younger congregation uh, versus the older as more of the older members are still worshiping online. The older adult English ministry, are they primarily like second generation and then the young adult are like third generation or are they both second generation or how does that work? Yeah, so um, what I would say is again, the, the young adult congregation uh, is yeah more second generation the English adult congregation is just a mix because there's, I guess, a lot of also mixed marriages uh, as well as uh, people that I would say that is more Pan-Asian, uh, more people that would be coming from like Malaysia or Indonesia, uh, the Philippines, and again, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan. And so uh, what I would say is that less probably second gen and uh, a lot more diverse in regards to uh, different ethnicities and even language that I would say that is completely different to like culturally uh, between the two congregations. So I know that, you know, the two services pre-existed your time at the church because you've only been there, like you said, for nine months. But I was wondering if you, you know, when you arrived, did you get a sense or maybe they shared with you what was the vision be behind having two services like why was there a you know because again as Jalen said it's a little unorthodox or, or different for there to be a completely separate young adult congregation from a you know from an, an older adult english-speaking congregation like oftentimes you might see that in like a first generation chinese-speaking congregation with a young adult english-speaking congregation but it's i guess it's rare 
for those to both be on the English side. So what was the vision for that? And then I guess my follow-up question, which I can repeat later for you is, you know, what was the vision for now merging these two congregations together? Yeah. Um, and so uh, from my understanding uh, that what had in, uh, in essence had happened was, is, is that, that there was only one uh, English ministry or English congregation. Uh, but what had happened was, is, is that there was like a growing kind of college fellowship or ministry. And that was uh, a ministry that was happening um, outside of the church in essence. Like it was just a gathering of uh, those who were uh, attending uh, River of Life but yet that fellowship was growing to a sizable number. And I think when it reached a certain size that the church really wanted to bring kind of like that college uh, ministry uh, to uh, be a, like to join either the English ministry or to be a part of the church. But then because that there started to be such a difference between the age uh, difference between the English adults and then what was at the time these college students, I think they recognized that and saw that and saw the difficulty for these college students to, in a sense, join the English adult ministry. So instead, uh, there was either a discussion or a desire to want the college students to come and then start, in a sense, maybe like a college uh, ministry. And so there was also kind of a gap in which the church noticed and saw was is that the high schoolers, once they graduated, and they would go into the English adult ministry, that was difficult in that transition that uh, the church also noticed and recognized that there was a gap that those college students actually wouldn't come back um, after they left for college. And then even like during breaks or vacations, when they come back, I think it was a struggle in regards to finding a, a home or a space or a place where they felt they belonged. Because again, that there was such a huge uh, difference between the, the age. And so they saw that possibly that this college ministry could be a bridge for that. And somehow at the time that that was the way that maybe the church saw was the best way to move forward. And so what ultimately began to happen is that college ministry slowly turned into a young adult ministry and it just kind of grew. And because it just started to continue to grow, that's how it then became its own kind of uh, ministry. Yeah. But now that you're here, you know, they brought you into kind of long-term bring these two ministries together. Um, but I guess what was some of the rationale for that desire? Was it because they were, you know, as a church, you're sensing that there's something new that you guys are trying to pursue or, you know, I guess, yeah, what was the vision behind now merging? Yeah, so um, I think that uh, there was a need at a certain season and a certain time and the two ministries fulfilled that. But now as this young adult uh, congregation is growing older and older, uh, that what they start to see is, is that there's this uh, uh, generational kind of gap that's missing, that those who are now uh, young adults are getting married and they're having children, and they're feeling that there's actually nobody that's older that they can look up to or they can learn from and glean from. And so it started to no longer feel for some people that this was like a family or a family church in which they were hoping to now see as they're growing older, that this, this is a place where they could actually worship together with their parents and they themselves now, as they have children, that they can see their own children. Uh, just generationally, I think that there was a desire to want to see more and more where uh, the young adult ministry, in a sense, that as it's growing older, that it, it, it was missing something that, that by coming together with the two congregations, that what was kind of missing from 
I would say from both congregations that it just made sense to be able to bring the two congregations together. Um, another thing is, is that it's also became something that was very difficult where people would, we would have a lot of newcomers and then we had to try to explain this too. And even when I first joined the church, I know it was very uh, confusing for a lot of people when I said, we have two English ministries and they're like, what? And so when somebody's new and then we have to try to explain things to them and they're confused and they're saying like, which ministry should I visit? They're like, you shouldn't visit this one. You should go visit that one because it seems like that, you know, this is where you might fit in, but that person might not feel that that's what they're looking for. And so there was constantly a lot of uh confusion where maybe somebody who's younger would go to the English adult and then they might feel like, oh, you know, this is, you know, this is not what I'm looking for and not knowing that there was another English congregation. And so I think just naturally uh, we knew that what was healthier and what was better was to be able to bring the two congregations together. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that because even at my church, when I arrived, you know, we have our English speaking church plant, New Vine, and then we have the main church, San Jose Christian Alliance Church. And Sometimes it's it's a lot of work to explain exactly how the church functions and operates and then like to kind of you almost have to like decide for people, you know, oh, I think you would fit in better at this congregation or or this and and that's not really something that I want to be doing making that decision for people, you know, and so I, I totally can understand that. Yeah, that sentiment. Yeah, I would imagine some very tricky or awkward conversations of the welcoming committee asking like how old are you. And, yeah. and just kind of pointing them to, oh, maybe you should go to this one then. And yeah, uh, yeah. That, that would be really awkward, right? Yes, yeah. And I think especially when it kind of leans more towards like somebody who's younger and thinking or making assumptions, especially I think in an Asian church where, you know, there sometimes can be uh, questions of like, oh, are you single? Are you looking to get married? Or oh, if you're looking for somebody uh, to have a relationship with that, this is the congregation you should be joining. Yeah. And so, right. you know, those kind of, you know, situations can be very, very, very awkward. And so, mm. yeah. Yeah. But what a blessing, I mean, for you guys to have that for the, for the younger congregation to recognize, hey, we need some of this generational discipleship. We need some of the older folks to come in and pour their lives into us uh, to have that gift, right? To have have that kind of, have the older generation already there. And they might not be worshiping together, but they are, you, you guys still are technically part of the same church. And so that's pretty exciting to have. You know, I think of a lot of other churches where they wouldn't have that, where English ministries tend to be a little bit younger and they they might be a young adult group or they're just starting to get married and they're wanting and they're craving maybe some older um, seasoned believers and they don't have it in their church. And so for you guys, what, a, what an incredible gift to have that. And now you're, you're going forward with bridging those two congregations, um, kind of joining them together. Uh, what did you have to do to kind of lay the groundwork to see New Wave, you know, get to where it's going now? Oh, yeah. So um, just as you kind of shared, uh, Jill, and there's, there was already, in a sense, a desire from both congregations where they were saying that the older congregation wanting to mentor the younger generation, but, you know, not they don't have, like, uh, people in their congregation that are younger for them to be able to pour into. And then those who are in the younger congregation that they wanted, uh, it was one of the top things really in a sense of a desire to either uh, be equipped for equipping ministries as well as to, again, have mentorship uh, to be poured into. So even when I was just meeting with people, you know, a good number of them were even sharing 
where they even wanted to bring like their family members, either their parents who are not believers or their uncles or aunts. And then if they were to bring them to the young adult congregation, that there was nobody that was there that they can speak to and relate with. And so therefore they would see the church, this is not a place that I can bring my family to. And so as that change was starting to take place, I think as more and more members were desiring and wanting that, I think that it kind of uh, paved the way to be able to come together, to bring the two ministries together. Uh, now, even saying that, um, it wasn't easy. It's uh, very difficult. And I know that, um, I, I, I do recognize too, that there is something unique, but yet uh, that I think because I uh, was now in uh, ministry and at a, at a church that is uh, trying to bring these two congregations together, that I started to talk with other pastors and started to hear more and more of other churches that were in a similar situation. And then even learning from them as well uh, to hear from them and how uh, they've either made mistakes or what they've done to actually be able to bring the congregations together to uh, in a way that was healthier and that was better. And so uh, for us coming together, it, it, it really was a lot of relationship building. And I think that was probably the toughest thing uh, because there's, in a sense, two congregations that I had to divide my time uh, in such a short time where I had to try to get to know as many people as quickly as possible because there was, in a sense, uh, an urgency and a timeline for this to actually happen. Um, and so that's why uh, there was kind of a lot of discussion in regards to how quickly do we bring the two congregations together or should we wait a lot longer? I mean, I initially was thinking that it was gonna take a lot longer uh, to be able to do that, that I would have more time. But I think there was a lot of wisdom in trying to find kind of like a sweet spot of when would be the best time for us to kind of come together. Tony, you shared some of the challenges of, um, you know, launching this new thing, this new, new wave service, new wave congregation. And some of it was that you had to bridge relationship, relationally bridge people together in a very short amount of time. Um, and, you know, those are some of the challenges. But what have been some of the joys that you've seen in uh, launching New Wave? You know, because it's only been about a month and a half now, right? You started yes, around New yeah. Year's? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So it hasn't really been that long, but um, I think that... Um, yeah, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of joys, and just seeing in just such a short time that something that uh, I, in some ways, uh, had a lot of anxiety and even a lot of stress, uh, you know, wondering whether or not as we come together, is this going to, in a sense, maybe be a disaster? Uh, because it is a huge uh, culture clash uh, between two groups. And so then um, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, working together uh, with River of Life that we did to ensure that uh, the transition would be a lot smoother. Um, and so it was really good to have actually kind of uh, the mother church or the main church to be able to support. Um, because uh, I was trying to see this as in a sense, uh, as a new church plan but it wasn't completely a new church plan. Um, the language that we started to have was that this was gonna be a merger. And uh, the pushback a lot of that I received in the beginning as I was meeting with the leadership from both uh, sides is, is that because we're in the Bay Area, 
that they all work in tech and they work in all these companies. When they hear merger, it's not a positive thing. It's a very, very negative thing where it's not necessarily two equal parties coming together to merge. Usually a merger is uh, uh, one company takes over and just pretty much that the other company just kind of like uh, is dissolves or kind of, uh, yeah, just disappears. And so, um, so I started to read uh, a book, uh, it's called Better Together. And I was kind of reading that book and there was uh, a language in there that I thought was very important. In the book itself, I don't think it was able to address a ministry that uh, was going through what we were going through exactly, but there are a lot of things that I was able to take from that book. And so one of the key things that I took from that book was to get away from this language of merger, but to see it more like a marriage. And so even the language that we were starting to kind of speak when, you know, either I was preaching in both congregations or when we we're meeting was to see this as a marriage where we have two, um, you know, in a sense, parties that are coming together and uh, trying to make this work. And so that it was uh, equally where we're coming together and uh, making this commitment that we're going to move forward together. And so some of the joys uh, of coming together again is then seeing uh, just as we gathered together, as we had like a panel discussions and as we had luncheons together, that it just, you know, all the worries, all the concerns that we had uh, just kind of faded away, like that they were actually intentionally uh, reaching out to one another as they're fellowshipping and talking, that what in a sense kind of was uh, kind of a lot of people were scared and fearful that simply as we just start, people just started talking and meeting together, that uh, we just kind of just clicked and just it felt like a family. And I think when people saw that and just kind of uh, fellowshipping together, eating together, a lot of people felt a sense of peace and even joy saying like, this is what the church should be. Uh, I don't know why, like, in a sense, you know, where people are saying, why, why do we have to worship separately for so long, like, that we've been waiting for this. And I think I can see in a lot of people uh, just how moved they were and just seeing a lot of hope for the future. Because I think at where the both ministries, where they're moving towards, that there was still a lot of either tension or a, a, a lot of kind of uneasiness and not sure where we were headed and where we we're going and not seeing really a clear path to the future. But now suddenly as we're coming together, there was a lot of joy and a lot of hope, I think, as a congregation. And so we have a lot of excitement as we're coming together and moving forward. Wow, that's awesome. So good to hear, Tony. Just for our listeners' reference, the book that you mentioned, Better Together, is that the one written by Jim Tomberlin and Warren Bird? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. So were there things that you did intentionally to begin bridging the two congregations together? Uh, were there things that you structured, um, you know, as you're using the, the language like marriage, were there things that you that you set up almost like, I don't know, if you, if you use the, the marriage analogy, right? Were there things that you were doing like date, were you, were you having the two congregations date? And what did that look like? How did you bridge that gap between the two congregations? Yeah, so something that the leadership did that I thought was really good strategically was in a sense to somehow try to give me a clean slate. And so how in a sense that was done and something that maybe is just kind of unique with the church itself that I met is that the church itself is large enough where um, in a sense that I think uh, that in the beginning, what happened was is that there's you know two pastors. So the young adult uh, as well as the adult congregation both have their uh you know, lead pastors. And so there's this question of, you know, am I able to come in and bring, you know, the pastoral staff together 
and for me to lead them. And I think there was an agreement and understanding in order to move forward that there needed to be somewhat of an opportunity for me to kind of have uh, not just a clean slate moving forward uh, as the pastor for both congregations to look at me as their pastor, but I think both pastors also recognized that and the church leadership uh, as a whole, that they were able to even uh, look at the gifts in which each of the pastors had and to be able to uh, put them in ministries and in other areas within the church where they can focus on their gifts and their strengths. And so the church itself, what we're able to do was to even honor them and to be able to come together from both congregations to even bless them as well. And so that was one area in which kind of uh, that from the church moving forward, that was uh, we were able to help in regards to bring the two together because now uh, it wasn't two different pastors where the two congregations would say, well, no, you know, this person is my pastor. Th you know, that person is not my pastor. But now it was a clear understanding that I'm uh, their pastor. And then with that, uh, the leadership of the church, what they did was to say that from the young adult side, there's three leaders uh, that in a sense that the ministry with, my, with me, we have to choose. Uh, to represent this kind of special task force and three people from the English adult side. And so that's where it kind of began with the relationship building was with this special kind of committee and task force that was put together uh, that I was spending uh, every week with together. Yeah, Tony, you know, it's really incredible how quickly you guys were able to, to launch this. And um, just, I, I think that's a testament to your leadership and, you know, I know that there's still a lot of work to be done, uh, but it's exciting to hear about that and hear you sharing about something that you're passionate about. You know, I was just thinking like, you're already kind of in this situation. I think anytime we talk about like major decisions for a church, major changes, you know, there's a lot of people that um, who are stakeholders, who are part of the family. And so they oftentimes respond in different ways, um, but it, it sounds like so far, that both congregations, uh, as you guys have merged, has been very well received, this new, this new wave. Um, and so I, I guess my question would be, you know, because normally we have this conversation in, in the sense of like English and then Chinese together, right? Yes. But this is just English and English. So my question would be, how has the Chinese side of your church, which is a very, very large church, um, how have they responded to what God is doing in this new congregation? Oh, yes. Yeah. I think they've very much embraced it. There's a lot of things in which, again, for the English ministries that uh, even for New Wave, for the name in itself, um, that it wasn't something that was completely where the English ministry is separate or that we are doing our own thing or that we're becoming like our own church apart from uh, the Chinese church and the, the the main church, but that it was still an understanding that the vision itself was is that that it's not just the English congregation and ministries coming together, but the church was wanting to see that more so as a, a church as a whole from the English and the Chinese, that we would be able to kind of, um, I guess, integrate uh, more uh, together. And so because together, I guess, with the vision that the senior pastor uh, has, uh, that we were able to be able to move forward where, you know, the vision of a river of life is to build a glorious church. And that in a sense is the same vision then that we have in New Wave, which is to build a glorious church. I think the, the biggest thing for us is, is that we're not in a sense uh, copying exactly what uh, the main church is doing in the Chinese congregation, 
but yet we're still honoring what the you know vision is for the main church. And so even though our vision is the same at building a glorious church, we recognize that what that means and how that looks is different. And so our mission is slightly different from what the mission is for the Chinese. And so for us, that we set our mission to be is that we exist to usher in a new wave of God's glory by his grace. And so the mission that we really have is something that we see that would speak to more of, let's say, our generation is this aspect of understanding grace. And I think especially in more so in the Bay Area and even in regards to Asian culture, that uh, that there is maybe a lack of kind of this understanding of what real grace is and to show that, uh, especially as a, a ministry. And so in a sense of how we're trying to build a church that's glorious, that would glorify God, is a church that really uh, has a culture uh, that is filled uh, with uh, a lot of grace, where we're a grace-filled ministry, where we wanna be welcoming and mutually transforming. Let me just ask you logistics. So like how did, uh, what time did those two different congregations meet? And then now what time are you guys meeting? And then how did you guys come to the name New Wave? Uh, what is that? What is the meaning behind that? What's the purpose behind that? Were there other names in the running? What were those? If you if you care to share that, that would be helpful too. Yes, yeah. So, um, okay. So logistically, the English Adult Congregation met uh, at 9 a.m. And they met in kind of like uh, in our chapel. Uh, the young adult met in a sense in kind of, uh, we have a fellowship hall, but that's in the back of the church. And that uh, they met at 11 a.m. And so that in some degree also is reflective and shows again, um, in some sense, right, that the English adults, the older congregation is has the main kind of chapel and that's in the very front of the church. While, you know, the younger congregation is kind of put all the way in the back uh, as well. And so then uh, logistically again, uh, just that was uh, a difference in regards to the time and the meeting. But now that we've come together, we all worship in the, in the, uh, in the main kind of chapel in the front of the church. And so we meet now at 11 a.m. And so again, you know, there's kind of like this uh, sense of then where, you know, what space are we worshiping in? Whose place are we entering into? Who, who does it belong to, right? And there could be all these issues. Well, if we worship at 11, that's, you know, the young adults time, that's not for the adults time. And there's all of these things, but I think we came to, again, com not, I'm not gonna say compromise uh, essentially, but again, having this understanding that we're starting something new, like a new, like it's a marriage. And what we're saying is, is that everything that we're doing that uh, we wanna make it so that um, there's a new name, a new identity, a new year. Um, and so part of that too kind of uh, played into really where ultimately essentially came down to the fact of, as I was praying, uh, that uh, the two, two things is like, not necessarily was there essentially another name that was uh, we were considering at all. Uh, the only thought that I had was, is whether or not I needed to still keep the name of River of Life. And so whether or not it needed to be like something like river of life, a community church, or if it needed to be like river of life, still saying just English ministry or something that still needed to have river of life. And then the more and more I was just praying about it, I'm not sure about where it came from, but I think just uh, uh, out of nowhere, just, I think God just put in my heart, this name of just new wave. And then I didn't know where that essentially came from, but I was even hesitant uh, to even share that. 
but I was surprised. I, I really thought that there would be a lot of pushback. I've had a history of also names of different ministries where always there's somebody who doesn't like it, like somebody who's upset or like, what? And you go through a lot of either criticism or you go through voting and other thoughts and ideas for the name. But um, again, surprisingly, um, when I started to share the name, immediately everybody was like, wow, um, yeah, we believe that this is like, like uh, the name for the new ministry that God is uh, bringing forth. And so from all the pastors to the leader, leaders, everybody immediately that when they heard it, they were just like, wow, yeah, this is it. And so, um, yeah. So that's how in essence, kind of the name New Wave came uh, about that. It was still also a name that honors uh, the understanding of river life and the vision that comes from Revelation 22 that the church has that uh, in the center is the throne of God and from it flows this river and that there's this tree of life that the river is actually uh, really feeding into this tree that has these leaves and that the leaves are the healing for the nations. And so thus the name river of life that the main church has. And then with that, in a sense of as what we're doing with the new uh, year and this new season with the new ministry, that new wave was very fitting that God was bringing this new wave. Uh, into the church and into uh, what God is doing. Uh, yeah, here. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing how that wasn't a name that you guys picked to be clever or because it sounded cool, but it's because that's what the Lord was putting on your heart, Tony. I think that that's super important. And um, yeah, just to me, a sign that the Lord is with you and, and he's leading this ministry. So um, I think for both Jalen and I, our hope is that you would have many more stories of joys in the coming years, and even with the challenges, that you would recognize God's hand in the midst of those challenges. Um, as we wrap up the podcast, you know, we we're just wondering if you wanted to share maybe one piece of advice or encouragement um, that you would give to someone who's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church. What I would say is, is that I know that there's a lot of things that you can look at the Chinese Heritage Church and see that whether or not there's issues or to look at things where you would complain, you know, um, about the church. But I think what I would really want to encourage people is to look at the things that are really great, uh, the things that are very positive, because there's something that's unique about the Chinese Heritage Church that I would say that you can't get anywhere else and what the Chinese Heritage Church provides and that the space and the voice that God has given to the Chinese Heritage Church to be able to meet the needs of uh, the people. And so just even asking that question, I'm just thinking about and reflecting like recent conversations I've been having with people and uh, people sharing with me how they grew up in the Chinese church and they either left the church and they're not able to find the same thing that they had when they were growing up. And one of the things that kept on coming up over and over again is this desire uh, to have this relationship with aunties and uncles in the Chinese church, where they're saying that the love and the support that they give, that, that, that the relationship that they had, that they can't find that anywhere else. And as I kind of reflected uh, and, I, and I kind of think about that too. I really believe that's true. Uh, when I think about all the churches that I've been to, even the church that I was at growing up, uh, just one example, there's many uh, in the way that I've been blessed. Uh, but just in the church that I was at uh, previously in Chicago, the Chinese church that I was at, there was one mom who uh, made a commitment to say that once a week, she would actually cook dinner for our family. And so for Eight and a half years when we were there, she almost never missed a week where she actually cooked for us. She cooked dinner for a whole entire family and she would bring that uh, to us. 
And so she was a full-time nurse, had her own family, had her own kids. And yet after work, she would go home, cook this dinner, you know, because our family is, is large. You know, we have, you know, four kids, it's six people. So it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of food. But she would do that week after week after week. And so um, I just look at that. I'm just like, wow, um, that I really believe that there's a lot of blessings in the Chinese Heritage Church. And to look at that and to count that as a blessing and to look at that and not just to look at the things that are negative. Yeah. Well, Tony, it's always good to talk with you and good to see you. Uh, we're so grateful for what you've shared and we're praying for this ministry. We're praying for new wave and trusting that God is going to continue to build it and grow it and that uh, you'll have a front row seat to seeing some amazing things happen for the kingdom of God. So thanks again for sharing with us. Oh yes. Yeah. Thank you. Good to see you, Tony. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the bamboo pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.